3: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on v the sports betting network.
2: It's a great day to be alive and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the VEASAN Studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM, Femi Befe, alongside Wes Reynolds and West College football is better back week zero buddy let's go
4: yeah absolutely uh we're gonna get kicked off i think uh, i think we've got some fcs action actually kicking off the hour here austin p in western mm. kentucky a few fcs versus fbs today but the first major showdown at least if you want to call it that for week zero over there in dublin ireland aviva stadium northwestern and nebraska nothing says kicking off the <laughs> big 10 season like dublin ireland let's go
2: Throw the records out the book when you go overseas, baby. We're going to get into that game all throughout the show here, but make sure to tweet at us. We're hanging out over the next three hours here at the South Point at Live on Twitter, at Wes Reynolds. One is where you can find Wes. At Femi Bebefe is where you can find me. On the show today, football, football, and oh, by the way, more football all throughout these three hours. Nebraska Northwestern, as Wes mentioned, we're going to go down the entire week zero card in college football as well. NFL preseason week three continues with eight games on the slate this afternoon. afternoon. Afternoon and evening. And just because we got a lot of football doesn't mean we're gonna not talk about a little bit of baseball. We have the MLB card and we discussed that in the third hour. But first, West, let's talk about what we saw in the NFL last night. And the breaking news out of the National Football League last night was the Seattle Seahawks naming Geno Smith Mm -hmm. the starting quarterback for their week one game against the Denver Broncos. This comes after the Seahawks lost their preseason finale to the Dallas Cowboys, 27 to 26. Geno Smith played a little bit, three of six, 43 yards, but the main Event of the game, I should say, was Drew Locke. They were 13 to 24 for 171 yards. But are you surprised that they go with Geno as QB1?
4: Not necessarily. I think we kind of thought that they were even, relatively speaking, going into camp. Uh, three interceptions, by the way, for Drew Locke last night as well to go along with that 13 to 24 for mm-hmm. 171 and a touchdown. So, look, uh, I didn't really think that there was much separation between these two guys going into camp, but they are going to go with know Smith, uh, Seattle, not willing to be a dance partner, at least of yet with San Francisco for Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's one of, I think kind of the surprises of the preseason is that nobody's really taken a nibble at Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen it with Seattle. You haven't seen it with Cleveland who has the money, I think, to make it work, but they've also got to evaluate, Hey, does he really make us that much better than what we have? And so far, these teams. Saying no.
2: It's interesting because on the GM Shuffle podcast with Michael Lombardi, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Michael said that he believes that Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the Seahawks at some point next month. I asked him, I said, hey, who's going to be the week three starter for the Seahawks when they take on the Atlanta Falcons? He said that he would guess that it's Jimmy Garoppolo. So maybe the door is still open pending on when they ultimately release Jimmy G. I know the cut down day is on Mm -hmm. Tuesday. I would expect that Jimmy G will be on that 53-man roster, but then maybe gets cut later on in the week. But it is interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo is sitting out there for the 49ers and the Seahawks are opting for Geno Smith, who Pete Carroll talked about it was his safety with the football as to why he got the starting nod over Drew Locke, who has been turnover-worthy here in this preseason. Yeah,
4: yeah, you do certainly wonder if this is just okay. This is Biden time here mm-hmm. with, with Geno Smith and, and whatnot. And we know that Seattle, look, they re-signed, uh, they showed up uh, uh, Metcalf, the money, basically, yep. and they brought him back, and you know they have Tyler Lockett. So they have a couple solid receivers, a solid duo to start there, but – you know, who's going to get them the ball and really who's going to protect too. They've got uh, two rookie left tackles or two rookie tackles, essentially mm-hmm. one on the left side with uh cross out of Mississippi state. And then Abraham Lucas out of Washington state. These are two guys that were recruited and predominantly played in college in air raid offenses. So a yeah. little bit different in terms of the blocking scheme, in terms of the protection assignments and just the overall principles. So Seattle's very much going to be a work in progress early and often this season,
2: the way Win total sitting at five and a half there for the Seahawks. If Geno Smith starts all 17 games, would you go over or under? <laughs>
4: I think, uh, I think the number is right. Uh, small, small, very, very small lean to the over, you know, maybe okay. they get six, maybe they go six and 11, uh, but I don't have a lot of confidence with that
2: either. Yeah. The offensive line, like you mentioned, is very young. The wide receivers, that's what you can rely on. But will the quarterback have time to get those guys the football? That remains to be seen here. On the Dallas Cowboys end of things, obviously the Cowboys are now moving forward with Tyron Smith out until December at the earliest Um, The Cowboys, I mean, they didn't really play anybody of noteworthy outside of some rookies there. Tyler Smith, though, their first round pick out of Tulsa is expected to be the starting left tackle. Now that Tyron Smith is going to be out until late in the year here. Um, The Tyron Smith injury, because we haven't had a chance to talk about that, Wes, since that news came out earlier this week. How does that impact what you do with Dallas this year, whether you're maybe looking at a season win total under or maybe fading them from a week to week basis?
4: Yeah, is it going to change maybe my season outlook? Probably not even though I do think that this is a substantially big loss for mm-hmm. this team. However, you know, just looking forward Dallas, I think the schedule is very tough early on in the season and we yeah. talked about that before where they could very easily start out 0-2 and then kind of pick it up as, as as they go along because a lot of the market I think is really selling so in Dallas and there you see that schedule. They do get the first two at home against Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. I kind of tend to think they're going to split those that they're going to be one and one heading to uh, New York for week three. But you know, you got to start. You drafted that rookie in the first round out of Tulsa, Tyler Smith. So you're going to have to start him. He was supposed to be the backup, I think, for Connor McGovern on the left side at guard. But you know, there are veterans on the slide. Obviously, Zach Martin is now becomes the anchor of that line. A pro bowler kid out of Indianapolis that I followed through high school. So you know, you just got to shuffle the deck chairs and Dallas has had to do this a little bit over the last few years with the offensive line uh, uh, in terms of the offense. You know, if they get when they get Michael Gallup back off the pup list, uh, I think even with the loss of Cooper and the loss of Wilson, that they're going to be okay in receiver. This offense is going to score points. I think this offense is going to be fine. It's the defense that kind of concerns you long term for Dallas. We know they've got Parsons and D law. Mm-hmm. If they lose one of those guys and look D law missed some time last year, yep. they They lose one of those guys. They're in trouble because that secondary, that secondary is very hit and miss. I know Trevon Diggs got a lot of interceptions last year, but he got picked on a lot in coverage too. So that's what concerns me is this secondary. So D law and Parsons and Vander ash have to be huge for this team.
2: Yeah. No, I think this Cowboys offensive line to me as a fan, I'm a little concerned because Tyler Smith was mainly training at training camp as a guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wasn't training as a left tackle there. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had left so tackle like, reps. Welcome to yeah. the
4: NFL, rookie.
2: Yeah, he hasn't had left tackle reps since June over in the mini camp period. So now he's going to be rushed in here <laughs> for this trial by fire when the season starts here in less than two weeks. Um, let's talk about this Patriots and Raiders game because. All throughout the offseason, the big discussion about the New England Patriots has been who's going to call the plays? Is it going to be Matt Patricia? Is it going to be Joe Judge? Is it going to be Bill Belichick? That has been up for debate, and training camp reports on this patriots offense have been negative i think that's been widely reported mm-hmm. and the preseason reps have also been not so great and it all capped off last night with an ugly performance here in las vegas down the road at allegiant stadium they lose to the raiders 23 to 6 in their preseason finale mac jones and the starters played in that game mac jones going 9 of 13 71 yards and an interception but the concerning thing is that the Raiders were playing their second string and yeah. third string defenders, yeah. and the Patriots still couldn't move the football.
4: No, they couldn't. Uh, even though by average the running game was a little bit better, and it's been in the preseason seventeen for one hundred four, so six point one a carry. However, that's something that we've been hearing about is that the running game. You know, where is it going to come from from the Patriots? It hadn't looked good in practice. It didn't mm-hmm. look good in the uh, joint practices out there in Henderson at the Raiders' new football facility. It, they they didn't look good against those guys. They had haven't looked good in any games in the preseason. I know they're trying to get Mac Jones a little bit more work with this more simplified offense that it seems like Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are kind of gonna tag team as, as play callers on the <laughs> offensive side of the football. But yeah, I think you do have to be concerned a little bit with the running game. Even though they have a veteran offensive line with Trent Brown and David Andrews back at center from injury, Isaiah Wynn on the right side. They're gonna start, it looks like that rookie, Cole Strange, that mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people thought was a good player but a reach there in the first round out of Chattanooga to start at left guard. So they got to figure out a way to run the ball. I think to take the pressure a little bit off Mac Jones, even though he showed poise and composure in his rookie season, they still haven't totally taken the training wheels off. You don't feel like with this guy, they're still really easing him in to the offense. And now he's got to work with a new coordinator and a play caller to boot. So this they they do have a lot of concerns i think offensively i think they are very much justified not overreactionary here
2: yeah, it's, it's really justified, as my, in my opinion, for this Patriots offense. Some of the struggles and the alarm bells are whistling. I don't know if we can hit the panic button just yet because we yeah. haven't seen this happen in an actual but regular season game. It. But yeah, locate the panic button and maybe press it if this uh, ends up being bad early on in the year there with Mac Jones and this Patriots offense. Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal tweeted this last night or earlier this morning, actually. He said, I don't care about games. It has been like this every single day for five weeks. Don't you get it? Your starters just got whipped by backups playing your systems Mm -hmm. in their first camp. Mm -hmm. So it's not great right now in that Boston area for the Patriots And look,
4: and and to that point from last night, I know obviously Mm -hmm. this Raider staff, a lot of which came from the Patriots staff, is very familiar with the Patriots and their personnel and what they like to do. But also keep in mind in preseason, these looks, both on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball, are very vanilla. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, they're really doing a lot of exotic blitzing or, you know, really getting crazy with the play call in here. This is, you know, base defense. Cause you want to give everybody at least an equal look and everybody, at least an equal opportunity. So yeah, the fact that they got absolutely whipped all night long by backups, I think uh, uh, maybe not a cause for alarm, <laughs> but a cause for at least some concern,
2: the Raiders side of things. And we'll have this discussion more throughout the show here as well. Um, we didn't see their starters at all. This preseason, it was mainly some of those backup guys, but Defensively, they look competitive at least a little bit, but the offensive line, I think, still has some issues up front. Yeah,
4: they're still trying to figure out what's going to happen with Alex Leatherwood. You know, it looks like he has at least, at the bare minimum, lost his starting job. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a first-round guy, you don't want to necessarily give up on him this quick in his second year, but he has not progressed the way that they wanted him to. I
2: read some stuff there that he might be a potential surprise cut uh, next week at some time, which would be shocking since he was a first-round pick, like you mentioned here. All right, we're just getting warmed up on Betting Across America. On the other side, college football week zero here on Visa.
1: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because you ain't it.
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is Betting Across America on V the Sports Betting Network.
2: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. Vcin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America presented by Bet MGM. Femi and Faye alongside Wes Reynolds here at the VEASAN Studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. In- for this segment we might call this betting across the pond yes as we talk about this nebraska northwestern game taking place in dublin ireland kickoff in about 15 20 minutes overseas there right now the Cornhuskers huskers 12 and a half point favorites over on the consensus line total sitting at 52 but we've seen this line bounce back and forth over the past couple days west
4: yeah we certainly have uh, this open 10 and then it did touch 14 briefly on thursday mm-hmm. that might have been out there for maybe a half hour to an hour or so and then that. That was the buy point immediately, and we had kind of heard, hey, I'm wanting to wait for two full touchdowns here, and then we immediately heard Northwestern and saw it get bet, and then he got bet down to like a 10 half and now we're seeing it rise a little bit. So, uh, you know, good two-way action here because I, I believe that this is probably going to close likely 12, 12 half pretty much market-wide. There's even a couple thirteen starting to show. So this actually has really been all over the place. Uh, just kind of summarize the two teams, a lot of changes at Nebraska mm-hmm. – Casey Thompson, the former Texas quarterback now moves in to take over as Adrian Martinez is off to Kansas State for what is his, I think, third or fourth senior year. I'm not sure how long <laughs> he's, he's been in college. But been he's been around, that's but he's going to sure. finish it in Manhattan, Kansas and not Lincoln, not in Lincoln. but uh, Casey Thompson comes in. Mark Whipple comes in. He is now the offensive coordinator. Remember what he did with Kenny Pickett last year at Pitt. In terms of pace of play, you expect that Nebraska is going to run, run a little bit more tempo. I think... Uh, uh, Whipple, they were 2.48 plays per minute with Pickett last year at Pitt. And Steve Sarkeesian's offense at Texas, which Casey Thompson ran for mm-hmm. a spell last year, were also top 50 in plays per minute. So you got to think that there's going to be pace with these guys. Uh, Nebraska, or excuse me, Northwestern. Defense was really bad last season. Usually Northwestern always at least has a competitive defense, but they were way down there. They gave up 6.3 yards of play. That was 111th in all of FBS and all, you know, basically division one college football. They only have five returning starters on defense. So, That's why you saw, I think, Northwestern use a little bit more of a methodical pace, even though they ended up having the same tempo in terms of plays per minute at Nebraska. But Northwestern, I think, wanting to keep that defense off the field, they want to go a little bit slower. So. You know, I wasn't really sure. I think that, that this has dipped a little bit on the total, and I ended up not betting this game. And you've seen this total did dip down to forty nine and a half. Now we're seeing fifty two, fifty two and a half. So I think you know, there's been real buyback all over the place. Pretty much good uh, two way action here. Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald always at least historically a solid underdog bet against the spread. And F- Fitzgerald tends to have his teams be better when the expectations are lower. So. Yeah. You know, this is a northwestern team I'm not really high on, but you know, I would it really shock me if they win five or six games? No, not really, because I've seen them kind of do that before. Nebraska's got some expectations. So this was a game I didn't really have a really strong read on that I could have made a convincing case either way. So good one to maybe wait for an in game or a second half play, but nothing for me
2: pre-game. Well, Wes, let's have the Nebraska discussion because I think this is a really interesting team. Scott Frost kind of semi on the hot seat out there in Lincoln, although he is uh, Lincoln's favorite son, but this team like you mentioned has some expectations heading into this season. I mean, on college game day this morning, Kirk Herbstreit picked them to win the big 10 West, right. which it, in my opinion, it's like this team, I'm not sure if we can take that leap but I get why some people feel like there's going to be some positive regression well, based on the amount of close games they lost last year. Part of that
4: is the parody in the Big Ten West, mm-hmm. too, because I don't think there's one clear favorite. I think the default two top teams are Wisconsin and Iowa, yeah. and more often than not, they're going to be in that West, and, and I didn't bet the West division, but if you said, hey, West, I'm going to give you one team, give you some money to bet, I'd say the Iowa Hawkeyes, who have actually dipped below Nebraska. Nebraska pretty much the second choice behind Wisconsin, but look, this is wide open maybe maybe Purdue's going to be better than people think. They certainly are going to be able to throw the football. Uh, you look, uh, I think not a lot of expectations necessarily of Northwestern Illinois, but Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people kind of like them as the dark horse with Kirk Sairaka coming back to be the offensive coordinator, work with Tanner Morgan, and, uh, you know, P.J. Fleck has recruited well and done a very solid job up there at Minnesota. So this is a lot more wide open than I think, uh, you know, would meet the eye in the Big Ten West.
2: So if you had to play anything in this game, would it be a lean toward Northwestern there, or is just kind of a complete stay
4: away? I'm going to stay away from now. If I had to, I do lean Northwestern, but obviously the good numbers disappeared very quickly. And that's, that's the thing. These numbers are going to disappear. So if you have a target number, you got to kind of pay attention do a little screen watching. So, cause that disappeared like within about 30 to 60 minutes on Thursday.
2: College football week zero has already kicked off and we already have a touchdown on the board. For that matter, mm-hmm. Western Kentucky leads Austin P seven, nothing with 1039 left to go in the first quarter of that game. Yeah, right now.
4: WKU still running mm-hmm. that air raid, uh, even though Bailey Zappi, who a, we saw the here in Las Vegas last night <laughs> yeah. with the new England Patriots is not there anymore. The offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, by the way, takes over at Texas tech is the offensive coordinator. So, but uh Tyson Helton and company still running this modified air raid. So seven, nothing
2: early Hilltoppers. Yeah. Total close 72 in this game between Austin P and Western Kentucky. So uh, we're expecting some points after it's steamed up eight from mm-hmm. the open of 64. UConn and Utah state is an interesting game. We talked about that one before we got the show underway here um, right now. UConn is a 24 point underdog at most shops at BetMGM. MGM, they're 23 and a half point dogs against the Utah state Aggies totals at 59 and a half. But Every time I look up, more and more money is coming in on the Huskies here at West.
4: Yeah, it's already gotten some of mine. I, I uh, put it out and gave it out on air at 27, there now you go. down to 24. So so I got all that CLV so we can have our first CLV going in the uh, wastebasket or the trash compactor uh, here later today. But I did take UConn at 27. Look, UConn was in this situation last year where they did open the season on the road in that week zero against the Mountain West team. Did not go well for UConn. UConn. It was 45 to nothing. The line was about the same. I think it closed 27 and a half and UConn got shut out. Remember Randy Edsel quit after two games last year. Uh, Lou Spanos, the defensive coordinator took over as interim coach. He is now back at defensive coordinator, Jim Mora jr. Out of the television booth uh, back to come to coaching. He is now the head coach at UConn. And I know that that hire was kind of like mm, scratch, scratching your head. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah, why, why this hire? Why would Jim Mora come back for this more abundant program? But actually, Jim Mora Jr. has made some shrewd hires in terms of the assistant staff, a lot of East Coast, a lot of Northeast people. And when you're UConn, that's what you got to do. You got to get some local kids. I mean, you know, when you're, you've are you only won one game last year and you're still an independent and just seemingly are a rudderless program, that's what you have to do. Jim Mora Jr. Though does come in. I think he's at least going to have some energy, and I think the team is going to feed off that energy. They have a new quarterback there. It might be a familiar name. Uh, uh, he, You saw him briefly last season, that being taekwon Roberson, mm-hmm. who was at Penn State. And remember, Roberson got kind of shuttled into that duty when Sean Clifford got hurt and it was the two undefeated Penn it's State Iowa. and Iowa. And Roberson was not ready for that because that Iowa defense was one of the best in the countries. I think they were the best intercepting team in the country. And just, he wasn't ready for that sold out stadium, loud crowd, that high, kind of a high pressure, high leverage game. But I don't think you can judge him just off that performance. I think he's going to be an upgrade at UConn. He's a kid that can run the ball. UConn, I think is going to be able to run the ball against the Utah state team that, by the way, has a fair amount of turnover on the rosters. I think they lose their top five tacklers Mm -hmm. and like three of their top four pass catchers. Logan Bonner is back at quarterback, even though he's been a little bit injured in camp. Remember, Logan Bonner came from Arkansas State with the head coach Blake Anderson, Mm -hmm. who's now in his second year there in Logan for the Utah State Aggies. Utah State was a very surprise winner of the Mountain West last year, and I think they kind of overachieved, and I think the market agrees, so you are seeing UConn get bad, and look, when you've had a bad season that first game historically when you're a big size underdog that's when you usually get a good effort because it's like okay turn the page you know it's a new season it's I know it sounds cliche we're all zero and zero you know and but but I clean slate yeah these two these teams do take it to heart so you know UConn is getting bad I'm interested to see if maybe if this goes down a little bit more if you get more Utah State action in terms of a buyback maybe some guys work in the middle I think some might have got as high as 28 here here. If all of a sudden this gets to 23 and a half and a couple of them are starting to show in faraway places, then you may see guys trying to work at least a small middle
2: here. We can carry this conversation over to the next segment here, Wes, but I'm curious to know what you look at when you make bets heading into week zero and week one, because we don't really have any data points on these teams as Mm -hmm. currently constructed here. Uh, What are some early things that you look at? And we can give up some other tips here on the other side. You
4: know, a lot of it, of course, I think, and everybody bets this, so I'm not, you know, breaking any ground here saying this, but returning starters, you know, what they're running, if there's new schemes involved in terms of the coaching changes, because the other team doesn't have that on film. And look, we're going to see that going into like week zero and week one. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks week zero If you play this week, you have an advantage. If you play next week, not necessarily so because now the other team's Mm. got film on you and they can see what you're running where you're flying blind because they hadn't played a game. So those are like little nuances that you want to look for.
2: All right. We'll talk more about those nuances on the other side. This is betting across America presented by BetMGM.
0: This is betting across America on v the sports betting network.
2: The VSN Pro Football Guide is out now. This year's guide is packed with Super Bowl and playoff predictions, season win total, best bets for every team best ways to bet rookie quarterbacks as well, plus a bookmaker breakdown on what futures the public and respected bettors are making. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do from now through to the Super Bowl for only $175. Or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vison.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the sports betting network. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America, presented by MGM Femi and Bebefei, alongside Wes Reynolds. We're hanging out here at the VEASAN Studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino on a college football week, zero Saturday. But like we mentioned, the f- pro football guide is out. The college football betting guide has been out now for about a month here. Wes, you were really a part of that college football betting. You part about both betting guides, I should say there. I uh, don't want to shortchange you. But uh, all this, this stuff is packed with information. And in the last segment, we are kind of talking about some of the things that you look for in mm-hmm. betting – college football early on in the year because we don't have a whole lot of data points. We have zero data points as we sit here on this Saturday. But you mentioned in the previous segment returning production. Uh, how does coach continuity and the continuity and the staffs kind of factor into your handicap as well? Yeah,
4: it's, it certainly plays along here, you know, if you're going to have like a scheme change. I, I think a perfect example is actually a game later this afternoon. You talk about a line move that has been Nevada against New Mexico State. Uh, mm. Just uh, looking looking at where the line is I think it's really taken yeah, off. Yeah, this <laughs> is absolutely moved uh, because I think it was 14 in terms of the opener. Now you are seeing as low as seven and a half on the market for Nevada and Look, coaching staff change. Jay Norvell and his pretty much his entire staff uh, leave Reno. So you have a new coach in there. You have, you know, they want to run the ball a little bit more. You graduated a quarterback that, albeit an undrafted free agent, is on an NFL roster right now Carson Strong, Mm -hmm. trying to get a spot there with the Philadelphia Eagles. So. You know, everybody's just gone. Romeo Dobbs, of course, gone. Now i going to be catching balls from Aaron Rodgers the up there at Lambeau. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Nevada took a lot of personnel losses. And New Mexico State, by the way, they have a new coach in their own right, Jerry Kill, who you may remember from Minnesota and also from Northern Illinois. He goes ahead and takes over. But New Mexico State does have at least more personnel that return from that team, Doug Martin's team. Doug Martin was shown the door at the end of the season. New Mexico State you know, maybe there's going to be some optimism with this program because next year they actually leave the independent status and actually join Conference USA. So it's like, hey, fellas, we got something to look forward to. You know, we, we're not mm-hmm. a vagabond anymore. We actually <laughs> get to be in a conference next year. So, you know, there's that, hey, we're turning this into the right direction, you know, that, that we're moving, you know, and we're all moving at the same time in the same direction, and that's a good thing for a program. I took 10 here. But you know, if this gets down to seven, I think you might just see, on principle, some buyback because you're getting a seven-point middle, perhaps on a on a side, which you're not going to get very often in college football, even as quick as these lines move. So that's something you got to look at in terms of the continuity and what's going on. My favorite week, actually, in college football, family, to bet are weeks two and weeks three because then you get everybody's played a game. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, we're going to get the overreaction. So. So there's going to be this team that maybe people are down on, but they surprise in week one and they look a little bit better. Now, some of those teams are going to stay better, and sometimes it's just going to be like, well, it's just one game because you get the overreaction based on one game. And what betters will do is betters will always kind of bet what they saw last. Yeah, instead of saying, OK, maybe this was a one game thing or how did they win that game? That's when you got to go into that box score study and that box score analysis like, OK, this team got out yarded by 200 yards yet won and covered the game. Well, because the other team turned it over four times or five times or mm-hmm. the other team had 110 yards and penalties or whatever it is. So you really got to do that box score study, I think, going forward.
2: Do you think New Mexico State is live tonight?
4: They could be. I mean, I'm not going to bet it on the money line. I just took the number at 10 and I was even late to the party. Yeah. So, you party know. Party
2: might still be going on, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want
4: to be uh, late to the party and early for the funeral, so to speak, as our buddy Will Hill always says here. <laughs> but yeah, this could very easily go down to seven because what happens is you get that line move, that initial move. And then you get the piggybackers. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably a part piggybacker here. Like, you're a real piggybacker, I think, if you're taking seven and a half or eight. But, you know, keep in mind also early in the season. It doesn't take much to move these numbers. It doesn't take as much money as it will take as you get into the middle to the latter stages of the season. So volume is probably low because I know everybody's excited, but not everybody that's going to be betting college football next week is in the market this week. So keep that in mind with only seven games on the board. They're easily passable for, I think, some casual bettors.
2: Well, I think that's great advice there. Just knowing that I think the betting market, the bookmakers, we're all trying to figure out what these teams are like. So the point that you make of that doesn't really take a ton to move these games. Cause a lot of people will see a move and they'll say, Oh, that has to be the right side. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily no. though. You can maybe play back on some of these moves if you wait long enough. Yeah. And as you
4: get later into the season, like when those numbers come out, uh, you know, at various places, including circus sports on Sunday morning, a lot of these guys that are betting these openers, number one, most of them are sharp bettors. You know, they're not casual bettors that are betting $10 a game or something mm-hmm. like that. These are sharper bettors that are just looking at these numbers, trying to exploit numbers that might be off. Because keep in mind, the bookmakers early in the season, I don't care whether it's Bet MGM or South Point or Circa or whatever book there is, not only here in Nevada but across the country, they're unsure of their numbers, too. Yeah, they th- their numbers may be off. And that's why you're seeing more of these bookmakers like here at the South Point put out these games of the year, because what it does is it gets sharp opinion, you know, at relatively low limits where you're not going to get your clock clean necessarily <laughs> in terms of your bottom line. But you get to see, hey, are my numbers off here? You know, and and you know what what teams like the really sharper betters like and whatnot. As we are kicked off in Dublin, Ireland, uh, Nebraska, 10 and football. Northwestern. <laughs> yes, nothing says Big Ten football like Dublin, Ireland. Uh, our friend and colleague and fellow Veasan host Danny Burke mm-hmm. uh, over there cheering on his Cornhuskers. He's been over there in Ireland all week, so uh, yeah. that that'd be a cool trip. It's kind of like I'd like Indiana to get sent. I'd like IU to get sent to Dublin or London <laughs> yeah. or someplace cool.
2: We might need to call Danny for like a halftime report or something like that while mm-hmm. he's in there. Uh, hopefully, he's well, he's <laughs> yeah, hopefully, he's not too many adults over. Yeah, hopefully, he's not too many adult sodas deep <laughs> at that point, uh, depending on how things go for his beloved Nebraska. Cornhuskers. Uh, But let's keep moving along here with this college football card. Also in the Big Ten, the Illinois Fighting Illini. They're hosting Wyoming later on. 1 o'clock kickoff out here on the West Coast. Uh, The Illini, 14-point favorites over at BetMGM. The total sitting at 43. But this is another game, like you mentioned, we've seen a lot of big line movement throughout these Week Zero games. This one opened nine, now sitting at two touchdowns.
4: Yeah, I I wish I would have obviously gotten the better of the number. I didn't get any of the number here because I didn't go ahead and play this. But this has been a big mover now up to two touchdowns here for Illinois. If you're wanting to bet the first half, though, you got to lay seven and a half or eight. If it was seven, I would lay it, I think, with the Illini. But a lot of this, I don't even know if this is necessarily backing the Illini as much as it's fading Wyoming because Wyoming just doesn't have a lot of returning production. Craig Bowles, an outstanding coach, of course, uh, had a lot of success at North Dakota State, which has continued at the mm-hmm. FCS level ever since his departure. Chris Kleeman also had success. who's now at Kansas City state, but Wyoming's only got eight starters back. <laughs> and when you've only got eight out of 22 starters back, you just don't have the production. This was the team that was pretty offensively challenged anyway, last year really just didn't generate a lot. So when you were taking them as like big underdogs, you were saying, okay, the defense has just got to hold up here. And you know, more often than not, it did, they did make a bowl game, but I think they're going to be up against it a little bit this year. You look at Illinois though, New quarterback, Tommy DeVito, transfers in from Syracuse. Uh, Tommy DeVito, remember, he got beat up behind that bad offensive line for a couple of years up there in Syracuse. So they're not going to throw the ball, I don't think, as much. I think Brett Bielema, what he wants to do, He wants to run. Oh, hell yeah. He wants a power running game. He wants to go back to what he did at Wisconsin. He brings in Barry Looney, who was his uh, offensive coordinator down at Arkansas. So you're going to see a lot more of a power running game. Chase Brown, by the way, out of Western Michigan. uh, Second year transfer now over a thousand yards. He's going to be sought after early and often. So this is one I stayed away from. I just felt like I was a little late here. On Illinois, I certainly don't disagree with the move. I think that uh, you know how how much are they going to show offensively though, because they do have that game at IU at Indiana on Friday night. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they ran the ball 57% of the time last season. That was top 25 in the country. They returned both the starting tackles, all three of the rushers, including the aforementioned Chase Brown. So if Wyoming falls behind, you worry about them not being able to throw the ball because I think they were 106 last year in passing success rate out of 130 teams.
2: But the the point that you make about teams not necessarily showing everything is a good one because Illinois is not concerned with covering the spread. At least we don't think they are. Uh, They're more concerned about, about just winning the football game and then advancing mm-hmm. into the next week so um with indiana on deck next friday yeah. maybe they hold back once they feel like they have a comfortable lead in this game
4: yeah you don't think that they're gonna get too uh, elaborate with the pass game down yeah. the field if you're <laughs> illinois uh nebraska trying to get elaborate down the field with their pass game they definitely uh, are just two minutes in they are in the northwestern territory casey thompson three or four for 27 still no score
2: although we do say that there are some coaches who i believe know the point spread with the way that they treat some of these endgame situations, no, they, ne- they never, they never read
4: the newspapers. They don't know. They don't hear the alumni saying, "Hey, attack one more on."
2: Exactly. They might be trying to get the boosters a little bit of extra cash in their pocket here on a college football week zero. As we probably have a touchdown out in Ireland, we'll get to that when we come back here. It's betting across America, presented by BetMGM. The action never stops at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code VESIN1000 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. BetMGM's the -the state-of-the-art app offers a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, daily boosted odds specials, and much more. No matter what your favorite sport is, you'll find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offers not available in Nevada or in New York. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femia Bebefe alongside Wes Reynolds. We're hanging out here at the Veasan Studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. We mentioned and joked about it a couple of segments ago, but Betting Across America is betting across the pond mm-hmm. this morning as we have Northwestern taking on Nebraska, and the Cornhuskers have an early seven nothing lead here in Ireland.
4: Yeah, pretty effective drive, by the way. Casey Thompson, 5 to 6, 68 yards, one touchdown. We mentioned Mark Whipple taking over as offensive coordinator there. and they Looked were good first start. Pace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Made him look like Kenny Pickett on on that drive. By the way, 7 and nothing. Uh, Northwestern has just taken the field for their offensive drive. Nebraska now at BetMGM, 15 and a half, 56 and a half on the total as Ryan Helinski, uh, the former South Carolina transfer, takes over.
2: So I'm seeing in the market there's some 17 and a halves here uh, total sitting at 57 the pregame was 12 12 and a half you said it touched 14 but it quickly mm-hmm. came back down to 13 and a half would you ever get involved after one series from a team when they go right down the field and march down the field and take the points there with Northwestern it's, especially if you missed that movement when it came from 14 to 13 yeah and a half.
4: sometimes you can I am going to wait here because I, mm-hmm. I want to see Northwestern have a series and you know see if they if they don't get anything if they hold up on the next series because, you know, a team can get kind of shell-shocked early on, and Nebraska yeah. certainly looked uh, impressive. You want to see if the defensive coaches on the Northwestern staff make those adjustments. So I'm going to hold on for right now, even though 14 was kind of a target number, I think, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. so I understand why they're jumping in. But sometimes it's okay to wait for a series. And uh, meanwhile, we do have another game. We have uh, at least an upset through the first 15 minutes, it looks <laughs> like, and that is, let's go P. the governor's Austin P. <laughs> (laughs) 10 to 7, going to end the first quarter here. Western Kentucky did close 32.5, and and now you're seeing 22.5 in the market. Western Kentucky lane total 72.5.
2: Yeah, we'll keep our eyes on the College Football Week Zero games all throughout this show. But, Wes, let's turn our attention back to. The National Football League in last night's game, we saw the Buffalo Bills, their preseason win streak of 10, snapped by the Carolina Panthers, 21-0. Carolina goes ahead and wins the preseason finale. Baker Mayfield did start in this contest, went 9 of 15, 89 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, so a good showing there for Mayfield. Unfortunately for the Panthers, their backup quarterback, Sam Darnold, Mm -hmm. suffered a high ankle sprain, had to be carted off the field there. Um, We'll see the prognosis on, on Darnold and how long he ends up being out But uh, so far, so good here for Baker Mayfield as QB1 for Carolina.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and look, Buffalo didn't play anybody. I know yeah. how impressive we were in here last week with how impressive they looked against the Denver Broncos. They did not play any starters. You actually had, uh, because of a, a certain issue with uh, Matt Arriza bit dating back to San Diego State. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect him to wear a Buffalo Bills uniform anytime then. We don't need to go into detail about that. But there was another Matt that punted for the Buffalo Bills last night. That was Matt Barkley. And by the way, four punts for 160 yards, 40 yard average. Uh, got one inside the 20, boomed a 53 yarder. That's respectable for a guy that probably hadn't punted in uh, since high yeah. school, you would think, Matt Barkley. So that's what you had. When you had Matt Barkley punting, you're like, okay, Buffalo, this is a get through it game. This is not a dress yeah. rehearsal. This is keep everybody we can healthy. So Panthers do get the win 21 to nothing. We mentioned Darnold going out. Baker looked okay, 9 of 15, 89 mm-hmm. yards, two touchdowns. BJ Walker, 8 of 10 for 50. Matt Corral did not see any action. though in this game i would expect uh obviously with darnold out they they maybe are going to keep three quarterbacks so that Mm -hmm. means beat both pj walker and matt corral gonna be on the roster here so with carolina i think obviously the big key is can mccaffrey stay healthy and you know really give them a boost i think not only in the running game but the passing game out of the backfield that's what they're gonna have to need uh chuba hubbard got a few carries so he's kind of the 1A or the number two running back basically but Carolina held out a lot of the receivers they'd get to get Baker some reps I think they need to because it's still a new offense even if he's throwing against throwing to twos and threes and not necessarily his number one so you know Carolina uh, not great to obviously lose what was going to be your number two in Sam Darnold but I think that we figured hey we know that this is Baker's job anyway you know
2: can the Panthers be a sneaky wild card team? Because this NFC is as wide open as I can remember outside of the top three teams, however you want to put them in order of the Rams bucks and the Packers there. Um, can this Panthers team possibly sneak in as a six or seven seed if they get good play from Baker Mayfield?
4: They could. Do I expect them to know? But, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of those teams that I think have a relatively high ceiling and, and, you know, a relatively low floor. I didn't do anything with the win total because you're just so unsure when you got a coach on the hot seat and you got pressure from the owner yeah. who hasn't had a winning season since he bought the team. And I'm referring to David Tepper down there in Charlotte, but I really like the defense for this team. Keep in mind how this team was five and twelve. They started out three and zero and then went in the absolute tank. But the defense statistically was not bad. I think they were second in yards per game in terms of total defense last year, and they've got a ton of first-round picks there. They've got not only Brian Burns, the uh, rush end out of Florida State. You have Derek Brown, who's kind of that guy that needs to step up for them mm-hmm. as that run stopper in the middle. You've also got Shaq Thompson as the leader of the linebacker core. You have JC Horn, who is coming back from that injury last year, where he only, I think, played three games, and didn't hardly, hardly give up anything in terms of the guys that he, he covered. He looked awesome. Yeah, <laughs> J.C. Horn looked every bit yeah. of a great first-round pick. You've also got another good first-round pick in that secondary, albeit not made by Carolina. That was C.J. Henderson, mm-hmm. who they traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. So, Jeremy Chin, who I believe was the second-round pick at safety out of southern Illinois, he had a very effective season last year. So, you've got talent on this defense. You know, everybody thought when Luke Keekley retired, oh, man, this defense is going to go in the tank this defense has been very good probably the strength of the team it's all about if baker can kind of find what he had three years ago yeah and if he can do that then this could be a sneaky wild card team like when i look at atlanta in that same division i'm like no chance atlanta atlanta i even like them under five laying heavy juice <laughs> on their win total but carolina could be sneaky i i I would lean toward a no but if you're taking a dark horse there in the nfc to like say a decent plus price to make the playoffs carolina would be one of those ones i would look at before i'd look at like atlanta or Washington mm-hmm. or the Bears or somebody like that. So Carolina, I don't think is all that far away when you look at them on paper.
2: Well, it's us stay in the NFC South. The New Orleans Saints they defeated the Los Angeles Chargers last night in their preseason finale. Saints win that game twenty seven to ten. We saw the first look of Jameis Winston as he's returned from his. uh, Foot injury, I believe, is what they're calling it out Mm -hmm. there in New Orleans. But Winston had one drive, and he looked really, really sharp. 4-4, 59 yards, led a touchdown drive there for the Saints. 14.8 yards per attempt there for Jameis Winston. Um, This Saints team, they've been really good. In terms of what they've been doing over the last handful of years, but Sean Payton is now gone, but the mm-hmm. roster is still intact. Was this just more fuel to the fire for you, who's already high on this Saints? Yeah,
4: squad? yeah, I think so, and and I'm surprised that the market's been so lukewarm on this team. Uh, eight and a half on the win total. I think there's still about. 320 325 out there to win the nfc south i certainly think that's worth the small poke i get it at 350 so anything above three dollars i think is good yeah i'm really surprised because this team keep in mind they were 28th in total offense that was the worst offense they ever had when sean payton was the head coach so they hadn't had an offense that bad in new orleans since the mike Ditka era Mm -hmm. down there and They still went nine and eight, despite the fact that four different players started a game at quarterback for this team, despite the fact that they had a lot of injuries. They uh, re elevate or they elevate Pete Carmichael, not necessarily elevate in terms of offensive coordinator. He's always been that pretty much the entire Sean Payton tenure, but he is now the play caller. So I think Pete Carmichael, they may not be, you know, keeping the training wheels on Jameis Winston so much. It may be like, okay, we've improved the decision making based on that limited seven games last year. Let's let him throw it a little bit more. Let's let him take some chances, you know, because you do have Michael Thomas back. You do have uh, Chris Olave now added to the team through the draft Jarvis Landry. Mm -hmm. Alvin Kamara, it doesn't look like any discipline is going to happen. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. (laughs) Pro Bowl weekend until after the season. I know Adam Schefter reported that a couple weeks ago. So, even better, because that was, I think, a little bit of the concern for the Saints. It's like, okay, are we going to have Mark Ingram be the starting running back who's probably past his expiration date as an effective (laughs) run? back in this league but you know one concern for the Saints Trevor Penning did have to get card off the the guy that they drafted in the first round to play tackle out of Northern Iowa I think he was going to start the season as the backup anyway but they do need a little bit of improvement on those offensive line that defense still very rock solid
2: the roster is really really good here for the New Orleans Saints that does it for hour number one hour number two we turn our attention to Saturday's slate in the National Football League
0: plus